0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. But I've always been a bit of a thorn in my mum's side, you know. Mm-hmm. Since you were little or as you became I No, I think,
1: a... I, think as, um, I think when the trouble with the started
0: and all that. I Did think... she know about that? Yeah, she, she knows. She knows. Yeah. Did she know at the time?
1: Well, um, you know, she had three other kids and I said to her, you know, I had a problem with, um, last night in the bedroom, Mm -hmm. I had a problem, and she said, oh, I don't think that's true, go to school. So, I had to go to school, and and I had to work it out myself, and I did, and I mean, I did, I don't know, you know, and luckily he didn't start on me when I was really really young, like this is when I was about 12, 13, I was already rebellious and I was already like, don't fuck with me, sort of thing, and I don't know where I got that from, but that's definitely in my blood or my genes or something. I worked out strategies to kick the shit out of him. So I work out strategies like, we had a bunk, a wooden bunk, just inside the door, so I'd brace myself on that bunk, and when he opened the door, I'd kick him in the guts, right? And then I'd be on him. So when I'm 14, I'm beating blokes up, and my mother's trying to pull me off him and, and everything, but I won, kicked him down the stairs. Another time, i pulled pull a knife on him and say, you come near me again? So there was a couple more times after that that he was able to molest me, but I had this fire inside me, in yeah. my belly, and... And I had this courage. You know, so I really, you know, had a way of being able to fight back. Yeah. But, yeah, in another way, he really destroyed me. You know, he destroyed my my young life and my thinking. And I I went through many years of depression and, and, you know, suicidal stuff and ended up in a mental home a couple of times. And, you know, I think if you do write a book about life, it's like you can get through anything. Yep. It's just a it's it's the way you know you can release yourself from that pain and yeah oh yeah well okay i was i was hopeless as a wife and and probably as a mother too in a lot of ways you know but the one thing i remember with my son is that that i loved him with all my heart you know and so i think love conquers sort of everything and um i don't know when you think about um
0: you know how you get
1: through the world i've no idea but i do know that um commitment to love for me is really important. I love these dogs, you know, yeah. and I love what the dog did for me when I was a little girl, when I didn't have a mum around because she put me in this room on my own because she believed that's the way you bring joy. That dog was with me all the time, right? And so I was comforted and loved and I was given the courage. Maybe I got the courage from a dog, you know, who knows? And his name was Bob and he was a big um, black retriever with that curly hair. And I remember him, but he was a great comfort to me. He was just always there, you know, under my cot. And if I was crying, he'd be up on the cot and licking my tears. And just, he was just a great, great companion, you know? Yeah. And he, like the love that exudes a dog, you know, it, it's, it's bigger than any parents can give you, really. You've got a, a yeah. really beautiful animal that loves your, your, you all, you know, its whole heart loves you. Yeah. Unconditional. Well, yeah. why do you need parents?
0: This is the Nitty Gritty Committee, conversations about the guts and the glory of life. And that is the voice of Linda Buller, originally of Melbourne, now of Ubud in Bali. Her life has swung through some pretty wild extremes. Now in her 60s, Linda's passionate nature shows no signs of letting her quietly retire, which is very good news for the homeless dogs of Bali. Anyone who's been to Bali knows the dogs we're talking about. They're everywhere, bless them. They're just, you know, weaving in and out of the millions of people and the motorbikes and the traffic and they're looking for food and somewhere safe to just lie down and have a nap. For the last 16 years, Linda's been scooping them up, cleaning them up, vaccinating and desexing them and then finding families to adopt them, all of which is completely counterintuitive from a Balinese perspective. But she's, she's doing it. She's turning things around. Linda's right hand in this venture is Ebony Owens, another Melbourne woman who is just given everything she's got and has done for about the last six or seven years to the dogs of Bali. You can find out more and add support to Linda at barleydogrefuge.com or at barkforbarleydogs.org. That's B A R C, the number four, barleydogs.org. All of this info will be on my website, michellorry.com. I apologise for the audio quality because I did record this on my phone in Bali, but I hope you'll hang in there. So settle in and enjoy the incredible twists and turns and lovely dogs of Linda Buller's life. You've just had danky fever for the third time. Mmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know why other people don't get it like I get it. But, Do know, they not? They don't seem to. I mean, everybody else I know has probably had it one time, about three times. It's mm. just crazy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, it's horrible. You don't want to be in your own skin. So you've just got to get out of your own skin. You've, I mean, for me, I just feel so uncomfortable and in a lot of pain. I usually scream the place down for a few hours. Really? Or maybe three days I screamed this time in the hospital. Yeah. So it's, it's taken me, like, probably two and a half weeks, three weeks, to, to get over it this time. Mm. Like, I was in the hospital for seven days. And then um, that cost me $1,500, and I don't have any health insurance. Right. And I should have health insurance working with dogs and animals and being, you know, ripped from limb to limb, you know, a lot of times because we're working with wild dogs on the street and dogs that have been hurt and abused and they don't understand what human touch is and they're just scared shitless of people. Uh-huh. But, me. you know, the thing is about this place is we put ourselves, I put, <coughs> finally put a, me myself on a wage about three years ago. Okay. Um, so I put myself on a wage of 1500 bucks a month. Um, but there's lots of times where Ebony and I both don't take a wage because we're scared there's not enough money in the bank for the things that we need to, to pay. Yeah. Um, We've adopted out 60 dogs this month. It's been amazing. We've wow. actually people getting to know yeah. us. The Balinese are trusting that the dogs are really healthy and strong and vaccinated, sterilised, and they know that they're special dogs. We yeah. collar them and we take food up to them and we find out Balinese houses and we all, we try and get them onto one street so they can all talk to each other because they all know each other so, yeah. we go up there with 20 adults we kind of like come back with you know 10 adopted and those 10 know each other so they'd be like in the Balinese houses for about three days on chains, yeah. they get used to it and then when they're let off well then they walking around having conferences together you yeah. know. Yeah great. Right. We're very enterprising we are.
0: Yeah you are.
1: And uh, painting has uh, kind of stopped for the meantime but I still paint every, every month I'm, I've produced a painting probably yeah. <laughs> but you know we've got the sanctuary going up which is that's another story and that was on um, a documentary that's been made about us um, it's called Stray mm-hmm. uh, Mark Anderson made it and it's on the, it's on YouTube mm-hmm. but it explains all about you know how we had to get out of the first place that I found from the dog's had to get out of there, we had no money, we had no, like, and funny enough, money came in. Um, and we found $120,000 to buy this hectare of land. You know, it's not just for dogs, it's for, we just finished the first open air monkey sanctuary ever for macaques in the world, I believe. Wow. I believe. So it's just Ebony and I went, what do we have to close? We don't want to close them up, we don't want to have them in cages let's just try and make an open air. And I just said, well, what about, we just make the walls really high. I mean, can you see a monkey jumping like four meters high? No, can't jump that high, no, no, no. Okay, so let's do that. So we left a couple of trees in the middle and we put these beautiful little kennels on the stilts there. We've put ropes through, we've made a, like a little creek, like a rocky, like little creek. We've got water coming in all the time. Mm-hmm. And we've just, two days ago, we just took, um, we went up there. And we released all the monkeys oh, into really? the sanctuary. Wow. Yes. And we saw monkeys that have been catatonic their whole life, fifteen years on chains, not being able to move. There's one little one called um, Rocky. She used to always have like something shiny like the top of that. She'd always have a mirror or something holding onto it. It was very strange behaviour. But and she was catatonic. She would just sit there. She wouldn't connect with any other animals and she would just sit there. We let her in. She immediately ran up the tree, like this high, high tree discovered, looked out over the world, you know, came back down, played with the other monkeys, laid down, she let them all flee her and whatever they do, you know. Um, So there's this incredible friendship and gang that's already, you know, family kind of orientated. Why are they chained up? What's the... Like people chain the them hex? up on the street. Like, it's just, I don't know, what is it? Why would oh, you do okay, that? So, yeah, right. I, you know, and no one tells me why. Or well, what does a Bolognese person go and buy a monkey from the, from the market and then chain it up by the neck in the front of their house? I don't know. Is no. it so they look cute or something? I don't know. Okay. It was very prevalent in the old days, not so much now. Um,
0: but we have, like, Western people come here, like Aussies. Mm. Aussies are the worst. There was a famous episode of that show... I can't remember, it's called Something About Bali. Um, oh, I've yeah. never seen it on, on well, Australian TV. And there were the, these TV. drunk girls scouring the streets, decided they had to buy a monkey. And then when they finally found a place to do it, though, they were so freaked out and they realized it was just really sad. And they, were, they didn't do it. They were depressed by the whole thing, you know? But it was quite, it struck a real chord around the country. A lot of people chatted about that episode.
1: Okay, so they went to the market in Denbassar? I guess, yeah. That's where they went. And, would've, and um, monkeys are tied up by the neck, uh, kept in tiny little cages, mothers are killed. Oh god. It's a very, very cruel place to go, I don't go there, I avoid it because I'm already suffering enough sadness and stress every day, seeing dogs poisoned and eaten alive and all this shit, you know. Yeah. So, I've got to watch how much stuff I get.
0: Oh, totally. Um,
1: but um, there's a lot of Aussies that will go and buy monkeys. You've got to think about how long a monkey lives for. It lives for 30 years. Yeah. And you've got to think about when you take it away from its family. It doesn't have a family anymore. Mm. And no family's going to accept it. Mm. it. has to be rehabilitated. There's nobody here in Bali that rehabilitates monkeys. No. So what happens to those monkeys? The stupid people that bought them. Oh, isn't it fun? Let's go to a nightclub with this monkey on our shoulder for the next two weeks, and then after two weeks, what are we going to do with this baby, tiny baby monkey who needs his mummy? Or oh, her
0: they mummy? do. They just let it
1: go. They probably just chuck it in the in the, in the forest, and then they get and they get torn to pieces. Mm. Because those other those other groups of monkeys not going to accept it. So the best thing you can do is have that market closed down.
0: Yeah.
1: It shouldn't be doing what it's doing.
0: Yeah.
1: There's people down there selling, um, you know. Um, rare species monkeys too keep them in dark boxes inside a, a room and then when you ask for this uh, kind of rare species monkey they'll bring it out and um, and show you and sell, you, sell it to you for a lot of money but it's against the law I mean it's, it's, it's against all human law it's against all compassionate law God's law whatever the fuck you want to call
0: it you know you don't do that no
1: but they do here
0: so how do you cope with being here? How do you not just say to yourself, I can't take it anymore, I've done my bit? Um, I say that every day. Yeah. But I've got something and I don't
1: know what it is. I think it comes from my grandma or my Irish background. I'm just fucking die-hard, stubborn, I guess. I don't know what it is, but I laugh a lot. Right? Yeah, OK. So I see ridiculous stuff. And, I mean, you, you either, you're either going to get yourself mad, which I do. I get really angry. Mm. And then I start laughing because you can't change it. What can you do? Living in a world where it's insane over here. There's no logic connected to a lot of the decisions that are made here. There's no logic connected to it. Mm. I mean, so you've got to have a laugh. I mean, how many houses do you go into here? The steps going to nowhere. Really? Yeah, the steps going to nowhere. Like, they'll go up to the ceiling and then there's nothing... <laughs> It's one of those ones in my gallery. I have a gallery here and there's and the steps going to nowhere. <laughs> so I've closed it up as a room and I've made it, you know, where I can put my, slide my paintings in there on these steps. Yeah. So what the fuck is that about? I mean, there's just no logic. Yeah. And it's like everything kind of Because it like seems that.
0: chaotic because I'm only ever here for two weeks at a time, but is, it is really chaotic. Yeah, it's pretty chaotic. Yeah, right. I mean, it never used to be like that in Ubud because Ubud was like this nice quiet little town
1: when I first came here like 30 years ago. Yeah. And that's why I fell in love with it 30 years ago. But now it's just like, it's, it, yeah, it is time for me to get the hell out, really. Really? It really is, yeah. But I've got to find somebody, some other people to take over for me. Yeah, I've got to find someone who can... And in the meantime, I need to find um, probably a personal assistant mm-hmm. to help us all, you know, do those little things like pay the electricity on those places and get the telephone fixed up and you know look into the laws that we could change and you know do um, research into what is possible you know what steps forward can we make what positive changes can we make here and uh like because years ago dogs were allowed to run around the street yes they suffered yes they were neglected yes they were but they weren't as far as i know and i've been here for a long time i never saw a prevalent level of abuse of the dogs right right but now there's full-on abuse of poisoning
0: beating there's a war against dogs. Yes, there's a, there's a like a government legislated um, program of poisoning, right? Yeah. These days, uh-huh. they're trying to eradicate the street dogs. Well, they're trying to eradicate
1: rabies, but then what about all those dogs that we've sterilised and vaccinated and collared and given to people, and they've gone for a little walk down the road today to check out the offerings? Somebody put somebody yesterday put all this poison in the offerings, and how? What word would you use toward a religious person putting poison Mm. in the offering to God? I don't know. I don't have a word for that. Mm. But a lady was walking with her, her two Western dogs. They went up to the offerings, they ate it, and they fell down dead straight away.
0: Oh, my God. So she
1: watched her two dogs die. Yeah. So the thing is, you get the stage where you just feel like, oh, God, I can't do this any longer, I can't, my heart's breaking. And the other thing about it here is we'll have a broken heart, then we'll have a dog that gets brought in that needs absolute immediate attention. So you, you, you go from that, oh, I've got a broken heart, I can't cope anymore, to action, let's help this dog, right? Yeah. Or let's help this monkey, or let's get out there, oh, this dog's been hit by a car, we've got to go and do that. So you kind of kept in this same, the same sort of like this state of um vigilance and high alert high alert all the time yeah. right so then when when you when i stop and i get to go to australia for a couple of weeks it's like i've got post yeah. post-war what is it post-traumatic stress post-traumatic stress, stress syndrome no, i think you probably so, have yeah. so i cry the whole bloody time i mean like i sit there thinking oh god I'm so lucky I come from Australia, I can go home and I can sit in someone's lounge room and I can just be here and I can just relax or go to Mum's farm and just be there with her, you know. I'm so lucky that I I have that choice to do that, but I don't have that choice to go there very often. But when I do go there, I just think I'm so glad that I have that choice, that I can be in a quiet country where they're not abusing dogs in front of my face. But that's when I cry a lot because as soon as I see a post, You know on my facebook about what bark's doing i'm like oh that poor little dog oh i'm gonna go and save it you know what i mean and and it's just it's like um, everything's so close to tears all the time when i'm back there
0: so tell me about when you started when you started this whole yeah, process. but you know I was married to a Balinese man, and I
1: just absolutely, totally, bloody adored him, and and I and I was sick because I was drinking alcohol and I was you know smoking dope or whatever you do when you're younger yeah, right? And I met him when I was 34 over here, and I'm 60 now, so it's but I met him, and then I got married to him, but and I but I was I I was I was sick in a lot of ways because I was an addict of alcoholic of, of alcohol, but I was also an addict. A, a Monday addict. I was addicted to him as well, mm-hmm. and um, and so I was a pain in the ass to be around, basically, because it was like, it was, you know, come on, Monday, sit down there. I'll come on, I'll get you something to I'll come. He's like, leave me the fuck alone. I know how to do this. So I was really, you know, see what I'm like when I'm sober. I'm a fucking nutcase now. <laughs> Imagine what I was like when I was drinking, you know, and like and um, dancing on tables, and I got thrown out of every pub in Fitzroy, you know, like years ago, thrown out of every pub. So and I used to drag him to the pub, and he never drank. And why would the fuck would you want to be in a pub, a mad pub like Biller's Arms in Fitzroy? I'd thrown out of there. You know, like uh, I was just a nutter. So you know, um, that marriage broke down. But in the meantime, I'm an artist. I've been painting my whole life. But in the meantime, I thought I'm never going to make it as an artist. So I'm going to go to acupuncture college. So I took myself off to. I was a tram driver after After the, the the art school up in Bendigo. I took myself to Melbourne and just proceeded to get pissed and smoke dope all day and play with my friends and then I got a job on the tram. So I became a bus tram driver and stuff. That was hilarious because I'd sit up the front with me tranny radio and I'd stop and I'd stop in the middle of the road, outside my house, race inside, leave everybody on the tram. It was morning, like 8 o'clock in the morning. I'd race inside, I'd dress my son... Give him his bag, give him his lunch, and then send him off to school. I'll get back on the tram. By that time, there would be another two trams behind me, full of irate, but not one of those customers would say a bloody thing. And then I'd say... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already
0: hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to
1: work out while you're away. Oh, we're late now. Go turn the tram. Right? So I just go down the road, find uh, the points, turn the tram around, go back up the depot. And yeah. I, you know, I never once thought I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> I never once thought this is against the rule. I just thought I'm the boss. This is my tram. I'll do what I like. <laughs> and I've always had that attitude. And I don't yeah. know where that comes from. Yeah. You know, it's like when Preston uh, Council got me to do a mural on there, a big Peace council mural, eighty six, nine eighty six. I was supposed to be going to acupuncture college. I forgot all about the acupuncture college. All I could see was a mural. So yeah. I spent three months doing the mural, and I went, oh, fuck, I was supposed to be going to acupuncture college, right? <laughs> so I was late going to school. And I thought this is, in a way, it's a defect of character. In another way, it's actually, I love the fact that I've got that thing where once I totally focus on something, then, it, and then, then that's what happened here. Yeah. But you're saying, how did I start? So... I was married to Made. I you know, he got sick of me, you know, being who I was, um, I was pissed off at him because he wouldn't go to work enough and all this sort of stuff, so that marriage broke down. But I was completely heartbroken and every single molecule in my body was screaming with grief and pain and and uh, I actually have physical symptoms, you know, and I started getting to the booze more and and then I sold the house and I had $13,000 left and I was supposed to pay that on a bill, a big bill, and I looked at the $13,000 and there's a big story between this and now because what happened just after I split up with Muddy, I went and bought a caravan because this this astrologist said to me, you have, you, you, you've got two things in your stars. One of them is that you want to be completely free. The other one is that you love your domestic domestic life and you love to have your, your, your comforts. I so, thought, shit, I'll buy myself a caravan. <laughs> and yep. then I'll be able to take it anywhere I like and then I'll have, I'll have both those things, right? So I put broom or bust on the back of it because I'd had this dream and this spirit had come to me in the dream saying if you go to Broome, all your problems we solved. So I thought, okay, so I'm gonna to go to broom. so how do I get to broom? I'll buy a caravan and then I'll have everything sorted. I'll go and buy a car now, I've gotta go and buy a car. So I'm at the auctions and I went with a girlfriend and I thought, I know I've gotta buy a car that's got um, manual gears in it because it's gotta pull that caravan. So I went there and I saw a nice blue car. She said, oh, well, that's a great colour, that car. I went, oh, fuck it, I'm gonna buy that. What <laughs> bought that car, it was an automatic. Oh. So within, within like, uh, you know, Three hundred mile of going to Broome out of Melbourne. Instead of pissing oil out of the oh thing, it was overheated. It was that was a joke. I'm standing on the veranda at this lady's place because I, you know, I got the I got the van to a place. I got myself some sort of um, disease or some some horrible flu and I couldn't. And this lady said, "Come part at my house." Parked the van there, had run out of money. almost and that was in um, Bendigo. That was not in Bendigo. That was in Ballarat, outside Ballarat.
0: And you're alone. I was alone.
1: I was having to pull the caravan and put it on the, you know, those those leveler things. And yeah. standing out the backyard that day, and she was going to buy my massage service. because I haven't told you that I had a massage service I'd set up in Australia, in Melbourne, when I was with Muddy because I was studying acupuncture and I set up and I had all the famous people. I was doing Nina Simone and. Ben Kingsley and, you know, um, Lou Reed and all the big names. I was the first massage service in Melbourne, you know. Anyway, I thought I'll sell it to her because I was too heartbroken. i will be massaging and i start crying, you know. I thought, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm over it, you know. I can't do this. Yeah. So I said to her, I'll park my van out in front of your house. You're a masseur. Maybe you'll buy my business in Melbourne. She goes, okay. Anyway, she must, must have been one of those uh, mad people or something. The next morning she came to and she goes, get rid of the van, I don't want it in my driveway. Oh no. I said, but I won't be able to pull it back to Melbourne. I said, because the fucking engines, it's a automatic, don't worry about it, it's all downhill, she goes. <laughs> I went, oh shit, it might be too. But I'm standing out in the and, and I had one last piece of bread and I had one last tomato, put the tomato in the in the toast. And I thought I'm just gonna have a coffee and I'll have this. And I'm just about to take a mouthful of this this, this sandwich. And this bloody magpie flew down from up in the tree and swiped the tomato from inside the bread (laughs) and took off. And I thought, this is my life. Look, this is my life. Have to change things. So I went and got a ticket. I got that thing, that caravan back to my mother's place. My mother said, I don't like you here. You're a pain in the ass. I went, okay, fine. I was suicidal. I thought, okay, I've got thirteen thousand dollars. I'm gonna, uh, I'm going to Bali. I'm gonna go to Bali, because you know I'd fallen in love with Bali a long time ago. Artist. Yep. I always had a dream. I envisaged that I would be in Bali painting um, and spitting at people, because I don't like people very much. <laughs> so I just get them away from me. I'll spit at them, and I'll just I'll have a studio up in the mountain somewhere, and. And, and I'll paint, and I'll be famous because the paintings will be amazing, Yeah. right? So I had that vision to that, and I thought, well, I've got to get on with my life. I'm either going to kill myself now, which I was very close to doing, or I'm going to go to Bali. So I went to Bali, and uh, and, uh, I, and I got clean. I came to Bali, and I was sitting up in the bar going, oh, I'm an acupuncturist, and you want to fucking, you know, healthy, you want to come and get healthy, come see me, oh, fucking the best mate, fuck, you know. And everyone had an issue with that and I couldn't <laughs> work out what it, what, it, what it was. And then one day, kind of light went on, you know, and I was always crying because it hurt me when I was a little girl and, you know, life was just bad, You know, and I was just moaning and whinging and whining. Two glasses of wine, I was crying drunk, you know. Mm. So anyway, I, I found a meeting and I went to a 12-step program and got myself cleaned up. Mm. And, then, um, and then I started, uh, I got a little house, 700 bucks for the year and uh well i hunted everywhere because i only had that 13 grand i'd spent four on my son because he'd been on you know he had his own problems and he was porn and shit and i had to get all that stuff out for him so then i had about 10 grand and then i thought oh you can pay for transport that's expensive so i bought a motorbike Mm -hmm. and some nice bolognese person friend of a friend who was vouched for bought it for me, put in his name, then I paid it off and I still have that motorbike. Bought wow. that in nineteen ninety seven. That was the bike I drove in on today. Yeah. Still have that motor love that motorbike. It drives really fast when you want it to yeah. go. So anyway, so it saved all that. So I started going to meetings all around the island. I'd take my bike and drive on my bike down to Cuda and everywhere. Wow. But as I drove, I would see puppies that had been thrown out in the street or their heads were like just about severed and their legs were severed and they were dry, dragging their bodies around. I, started, I couldn't stand it. And I couldn't paint while I saw that sadness. And so I just thought, oh, I'll fucking give up. I'm going to have to do something about it. And the first time I came here and I met Muday, I saw a dog in Noosudua. And I'll never forget it. I was walking in the street in Noosudua. It was a hot, stinking hot day. And there was this skinny, poor, depleted, abused, just abandoned, neglected, poor little thing walking the street and half his skull had been uh, smashed off. So you could see his brain. Oh, my God. And he was just staggering the street. And I said to the boyfriend, Muddoe, what about that poor dog? Is there a vet or is there... And he goes, what are you talking about? And he said, ah, ha, ha, so funny, forgot to put his helmet on. Oh, and I married that guy, you know. Now what could I have loved about him? I was just in some sort of addictive sex state. That's what happened to me. But if now, if anybody was to speak to me about an animal suffering like that, I'd just uh, walk the opposite direction. Yeah. Why would I want to have anything to do with somebody that spoke like that to you? Yeah. But that was that. That was the, and it still is in a lot of ways. That's a consciousness about animals here. Is like. A, the fucking animal, what the fuck are they? They're just there to to be used because, you know, humans here are born, uh, they're higher than any animal and so the humans that are born here, they're, like, they're halloos, they're higher, they're higher life form, right? Higher life form. So all the animals below, we humans here, are there to be used Hit, abused, eaten, uh, whatever. The one thing I'm very grateful for is being brought up in a, an Australian society where I've been given that ability to have time on my own to, to just to grow into the sort of person I wanted to be, which is a person who can love animals and share with them. And we have that in Western society. We're yeah. given that. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, we can bitch and whinge and whine and everything in a Western society about everything in our lives. But you come and live here and you see what these people have. They have nothing. A lot of people here have nothing. And then they don't have even the ability to love an animal. So, to me, loving an animal is being closer to to whatever made them, like a higher power or, But you're right,
0: we have that luxury, don't we? It's a a real luxury. To live in a developed nation where we have the time and the energy and the space to sit down and love an animal
1: and sit down and watch a telly and sit down and, and be out in the street and not be looking at suffering every couple of minutes you know like yeah, yeah.
0: so now how old are you now 64 64 Scorpio like number one Scorpios. yeah <laughs> and you're thinking seriously that you would like to retire
1: well, you know what, I'll always have my finger in this pie somehow because I started it and I love it and I love seeing the dogs well. But, you know, the loveliest thing that would satisfy me is to see that that sanctuary is finished and working, there's money coming in for bark, you know, that there's 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 someone to
0: oversee it as as well as I would, you know. So what is that job realistically? What is, You know, if you were to describe your job... You know job... what,
1: I've learned how to coordinate, I've learned how to <coughs> problem uh, shoot... You know, like what's the yeah, word? Yeah, problem solve. Yeah, problem solve. I've learned how to um, uh, deal with the government. I've learned how to talk to a Balinese authority. I've learned how to make sure that my staff love those animals, not just treat them like you know they learn. Uh, they they have to be taught, and that, that and they have to be pulled up. You pick a dog up by a leg, or you pick a dog up by the back of his neck, or you don't pick a dog up the right way.
0: Stop. I was wondering that when I saw your local staff, I thought, are they, do some do some people in Bali love animals the way we do, or have you taught them? They have tried to
1: learn. I mean, Made, my, my favourite, is one of my most lovely, loyal boys that have been with me from the very beginning. Um, he came in, he didn't like dogs. Wow. He now allows his child to sleep with his dog, and you know, and encourages, wow. and he is also an amazing human, is Made. He, he's in the um, documentary, you'll see him, but... He also he said to, said on the documentary, I was really worried and scared of Ibalinda, he said, because she was so class, so um, uh, aggressive about what she wanted us to be. And he said, I understand that, it said, because she wanted us to care for the animals and because she loves them so much, she wants it all right for them. So when a dog comes in, individually has to be loved. It has to be given a blanket. It has to be given food. It has to be given whatever we have that we we can give, we give. So in a lot of instances now, though, there's so many dogs coming in and there's no other place here that will take dogs in like we do, mm. Right. We are overloaded a lot of the time. We don't have enough cages. We don't have enough blankets. We don't have enough good food. We don't have a good enough funding to buy that stuff. Mm. But you know, I've worked out food. I've worked. It's taken me like years to work out how do I feed a dog where it's not going to cost too much. And we've got four. We've had four hundred dogs up till now, right? Wow,
0: at once.
1: At once. Yeah. At once. And we have them cycling like that. Yeah. So. I've worked out that we have rice, potato, egg, chicken. We pick up all these um, bones from this this place up the road and we grind them all up and we put that in the food as well. Mm. Um, Pumpkin um, and sweet potato. Mm. And as far as I'm concerned, that is a very good diet for the dog. A lot of the times I go, oh, what the fuck is this? Now, they would really like to have some Sambamata in there yeah. or something that smells like the street in yeah. there because they're street dogs. they find their own food. But it sustains them. Yeah. And all our dogs are fat. Yeah, yeah. And
0: um, and healthy. So. Um, but what is, what's the day-to-day of your job?
1: Day-to-day for my job is, I don't know, it's everything. For me, I oversee everything, okay? So, yeah. so how many
0: dogs have you got at the moment? 200 and... Fifty? Yeah. So Mm you have to make sure that they're fed and...
1: Well, I don't. I just assume that my staff are doing that. And if there's any trouble, then they'll tell me and then I'll try and fix that, Okay? okay? So up on the land, for example, I have a driver who takes the food It gets cooked every night. He takes it up there. He stands there because I thought that the food was missing and dogs were getting skinny. So I've asked this driver. His other job is to go up there and watch them feed every single dog. To make sure every single dog is getting their amount of food.
0: What do you think was happening?
1: Well, maybe they were giving it to their pigs.
0: Right. Okay.
1: But anything that you do here, you have to double check to make sure it's not being uh, what's the word snuck away somehow. Yeah, uh, snuck away. yeah. So that's the other thing here is that you have to really have your 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 eyes open about what's being taken, what's being. Um, uh, embezzled what's being you know, even even little notices, you know, from the laundry, the prices will get changed, you know, it's just you just gotta
0: be aware. Is that overall do you think, or is it yeah, be, okay. no, it's overall. Because you're also trying to achieve something that's not really highly regarded in Bali, is it protection of whereas in Australia you know, we do have a lot of respect for people. People have be, been
1: bending over backwards to help you. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. But here it's sort of a it must it's seem like, like a to, very strange sh- Yeah, we're like virus. We're like a virus, <laughs> like a virus that, the, that, that the government doesn't want around. So Mm. Because they want to murder, they want to get rid of all the dogs, and we're trying to say, Please, please, please don't do that. Please, let's have some respect for the gods, 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 um, creatures, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and let's have some respect for each other. And a lot of people say to me, Linda, why are you spending your time doing this? Why don't you look after kids? Yeah. And I go, Well, we are looking after kids because what we do is we get open their hearts to love an animal. Yeah. If I didn't have Clancy when I was a little girl, I didn't have Bob, I'd be a completely different person. Mm. And I would be a person who didn't have this heartfelt thing that, that I love having. Yeah. And when I when I help a dog, and that's what I would expect our manager to be, a person who would bend over backwards for any animal that comes in.
0: Mm.
1: And we work 24 hours a day. Mm. So, I mean, I get out of bed, I'm on the I'm, I, I'm supposed to be doing stuff in my 12-step program, which is, you know, just doing something for myself. A lot of times I don't do that. I don't pray. I don't give myself up to God. And it. But I do know I have a higher power, and every time... I have a difficult situation. I'll, I will give it to God. Yeah. Yeah. I will give it. So <clears throat> let it go let, let something else deal with it. And it always gets dealt with. Yeah. So um, important for me is to have somebody that doesn't have an ego. Can't have it. You cannot have an ego. Can't be walking around here with an ego.
0: No.
1: Um, somebody who is up first thing in the morning, do, checking the emails, checking the rescues, checking all the staff where all are, where they all are.
0: Yeah. You need a person a like you. You need a person who is prepared to give everything to these dogs. Yeah. Yeah. And no fooling. No, like, you know, no no Bali lifestyle. No no coming here to surf or to... That's it. Yeah. There's no drinking. No. There's no drugs. There's no... no
1: yeah. But, I mean, it's, uh, you know, helping animals is a lifestyle. Yeah. And it's a very giving way. You get so much back, you yeah. know, like... You see a dog stand up when he, like that little boy you saw in the clinic before, like he came in, he, they'd thrown him outside because they had so many dogs they did yeah. not do, so put him outside on a blanket yeah. on the veranda and he was having to just be there and I came in and said, what's this dog doing here? He can't be here. Yeah. And uh, they said, oh, he bites and everything. He doesn't bite anymore. That was four days ago. Wow.
0: And he's picked his
1: legs up and he started walking now because yeah. we've been loving each other for three, four days.
0: Yeah, right. Cuddling
1: and talking and... And yeah. I give him, and every time he sees me now, he's just about beside himself. So, and that's he can change. You can change the health of a dog by giving them that extra. Well, even in
0: Australia, a dog that was paralyzed it, like, would, be put, would down. be put down. That's right. I've never seen anything like that in We've healed a lot, a lot of dogs that were paralyzed. Oh, I didn't know a dog could do that. Could yeah, walk around ma'am. on its front feet, holding up its back feet. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's sort of it was a real eye opener for me. I they was, didn't play like, ball. It's amazing. So yeah. every dog deserves a chance. Like every human deserves a chance. It does. I think, you Uh, know, if everyone did their bit, just that's all. If everyone just did a bit, what a different world would be. Because it's so overwhelming. That was Linda Buller from the Barley Dog Refuge. barleydogrefuge.com is where you can find more info about her and get involved and offer her some support. Uh, I have to thank a Twitter friend, at barkingmadgc is their name and Twitter handle. Uh, That person, lady or man, nominated Linda as a great person to chat to while I was in Bali for this podcast. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. If you have any suggestions, I'd love to hear them. There's a contact form on my website, Uh We have some more from Bali coming up soon. Thank you for downloading this one. Please download them all. And if you feel so inclined, take yourself off to iTunes and leave us a nice review. If you hated the podcast, just go quietly on your way and don't tell anyone. That would be great. Bye.